the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Kai McEwen, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Jim Root and Matt Cox. Fellas, another week of college basketball. The Super Bowl is over. It is behind us. College basketball takes center stage, and we are excited for another great week of betting on college basketball. As we normally do, we're going to take you through our six sections on the podcast starting with our live dog of the week section, our blowout city, our power games of the week, our mid-major games of the week, our trash man pick of the week, and finally a spotlight section, a dealer's choice section, if you will. Interesting one this week. We'll get there. But first, let's start with our live dog section, which people out there, you made a lot of cash, a lot of coin if you tailed the old weave last week because all four of our official picks hit outright. Last week, Binghamton, Locke, Pepperdine, Loyola Marymount, and Monmouth all won outright as around six to seven point dogs, all of them. So pretty good payday. Hey, if you parlay them, you could be the newest Twitter sensation from the sports books tweeting out their big parlays. You never know. Uh, Where's my dog? Uh Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Where's my dog? But for this week, guys, let's start off with a couple games on Wednesday and Thursday, selections I've curated for the group here, considerations, and then we'll get to a couple of your suggestions as well. Starting with Xavier at Marquette on Wednesday. Xavier, a six-point dog per Ken Palm. Now, I know Marquette, Jim, is a tough place to play, but Xavier's a tough team, and they don't often catch six points, especially in this year's Big East. Do you think they have a chance? Nobody comes into the serve. Kai, come on. Look what happened to Baylor a while back. No, yeah. There's a chance, but no Fremantle is a problem. And Matthew, as you pointed out astutely in our internal group chat, Sule Boom might be a little bit limited here. Big time guard for Xavier. And if he is not effective, Xavier's not really effective. That kind of goes, he goes. As much as I love my guy Nunji, my doppelganger, my seven foot lookalike, I think this is going to be Marquette's game and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Can't pull the trigger here. Yeah, and even if boom, here comes the boom, does not come to this game as Trey can. This screams over to me. Obviously, Kevin Palm will have that price in. It's currently projected at 168. My goodness. First matchup was not low scoring, but only played a 69 possessions and 170, sorry, 156. I can't do math. Carry the one. Yeah. That, one game, six. So, that game died. It had 92 it points died. at halftime. It was like in the final 10 like minutes. Power was like, keg and it just, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like the over here. I think it'll probably be in the clouds, but I think this gives an absolute up and down. Xavier can't guard anybody on the perimeter. That's a problem. And Marquette is like as good as anyone in the country at beating you with all five guys from the perimeter. That's their whole MO. Indeed they are. A game here I do like, fellas, which I am going to take. Drake at Northern Iowa. Now the Panthers have lost five straight, but they're tough at home. And Matt, their last game against Drake, their only other game this season, it was a double OT loss at Drake. I think you and I returns the favor here, gets back on the winning path and beat Drake on Wednesday. I can't get there. I've been kind of out on this Northern Iowa team all year. I'm still stunned that they are sitting where they are in conference, but I guess they've dropped their last five, right? Eight and eight, as you alluded to. Yeah, their um, schedule's gotten a lot tougher. In, in, in a lot Valley tougher. Play. 
it's a young team, Kai, and it's a team that I think has the hit a freshman wall written all over it. And I just think Drake's better. And I think they're a little bit pissed off about that um, that first go around. So um, I know they won that game double OT, but I think they're like, okay, we're not going to take this team lightly. We know we're the elder statesman in the room, but it's still our in-state rival. And we're going to put the uh, put the hurting on Jim. So I like Drake here. I'm sorry. Lame. I like Drake too. I, I wonder if they have just kind of righted the ship. At the beginning of the year, they were kind of the clear favorite. This is the best team in the Valley and who's going to finish second. But man, last two games, they have been a juggernaut. Blew out Murray State by 24, Southern Illinois by 23. Two teams that were like in the top half of the standings kind of chasing Drake. And that really shows, I think, where the the, the level has gotten to with them. They had Tucker DeVries miss the one game. Then they won two straight double overtime games, including that one Kai mentioned against Northern Iowa. And then the last two just really, really ripped off awesome performances. So I'm I'm leaning Drake as well, Kai. Interesting fact, in his five years, Darian DeVries has only swept Northern Iowa one time. That was in 2021. Every other year has been split. Maybe not that interesting, but I thought it was. Next game, St. Joe's at Duquesne. About an eight-point dog is the St. Joe's Hawks. And I tell you what, I'm taking this one as well. Why? St. Joe's has been playing very, very well recently. They're 7-2 and two in their last nine games. But, Jim, the question is, Casper... Klatchik. Is he going to play for St. Joe's this game? He is quite important. He's missed the last few. I'm in either way. I, I, I think even if Klatchik's not out there, I like the way Joe's is trending. Uh, they've got a lot more playmaking this year. They seem a little lot more cohesive too. Last year, it was very much uh, just one man. Jordan Hall runs the show and the other guys kind of have to exist around him, live in his orbit. This year, it, it's more democratic. It's more sorted out. Reynolds and, and Greer have become kind of the two dual ball handlers. And I do like Duquesne, Matthew, a team that's actually playing fairly well also. But I think there's enough variance here. St. Joe's is trending yes. up enough that I'll ride with Billy Lang. Maybe the last time I ever say that in my life. Capital V variance, Jim. Haslametrics, great metric of consistency, Kai. Um, teams that perform similarly game to game versus a team that are Jekyll and Hyde. Duquesne, 355th inconsistency, which completely adds up to me, Jim. I thought they were going to be kind of a rocket ship once they got McGriff back, but then they've had some really odd losses, uh, so many of which have not been very competitive. I kind of like the St. Joe's angle here. I don't like the St. Joe's team that much. Now they're playing better, but from a money line perspective, if you like St. Joe's, I think it's a pretty good wager just with how uh, up and down this uh, Duke's team is. Yeah, their guard play. St. Joe's guard play can be very good. Very good when they are at their at their peak. On Thursday, guys, I have three more options for you. This one's a little tongue-in-cheek, but let's discuss. Gonzaga at Loyola Marymount. LMU plus six home dogs. Who says no to a season sweep? Jim, you say no? I, I tried to look up the last time a non-St. Mary's or BYU team swept Gonzaga, and the, the search said, what are you doing? Go away. Like, this, <laughs> what, do you really think this Never has happened, happened right? you moron? Yeah, I don't think it has. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I can get on board um, – LMU has been really, really feisty, though. And they went at Gonzaga. Now they get them back home. They had the big come-from-behind victory against St. Mary's last Thursday. They're capable. The spread's only six, though. Matt, I, I fear angry Gonzaga at this stage, also with um, a title in their sights. They're trying to catch St. Mary's for uh, atop the WCC. Yeah, I mean, LMU's been awesome. Like, they take away two games after the Pepperdine blowout. Well, coming off that four-game win streak, like, they've done really nothing wrong. Um, but no, I'm not going to take this i'm sorry Gonzaga's going this game there's no way they lose this game i just yeah. don't they, they don't lose this game lmu is the only team ever in the wcc to beat byu gonzaga and st mary's in the same year 
there's only seven teams that can really do that because the other three don't count, but still interesting. Next game here, the A-Sun has a two-way tie right now at the top, which is a bit surprising. Liberty and Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State is hosting Liberty in this game. It's their only matchup of the season, and Kent State is a five-point home dog. It's going to be a tough battle, Matthew, and I think we've said on this podcast before, A-Sun home is nuts this season. Uh, one of the best in the country in terms of home teams covering and winning outright. Do you like the Owls against the Flames? Owls can shoot. It's supposed to beat Liberty with the uh, the long ball, or so they say. The pack line defense here, that's how you soften it up. Yeah, I still watch Kennesaw make threes from 25 feet and out against my Indiana Hoosiers. This team can absolutely stroke it. Multiple guys that can make shots. Kai, you mentioned the home dominance of A-Sun teams, kind of a weird geographically placed conference. I don't think they beat Liberty, but man, I think it's awfully competitive here. Liberty's just such a tough team to fade. I disavow this. I have Liberty to win the A-Sun future, so I need my Flames to win this game, have a little bit of a future cash wagered on that. Matt, you mentioned Kennesaw being able to shoot over the top. Well, Liberty can too. That's exactly what they want to do. Fourth in the country in three-point attempt rate. Kennesaw, pretty compact defense, more or less content to let you shoot over the top. I kind of think Liberty wins a shootout. They've got the best player on the floor in McGee, probably the, the player of the year in that conference. I can't get there, Kai. And maybe there's some personal bias in that, but I'm not going to officially register this one. Kai, fun stat here. Uh, yes. A-Sun. Number one conference in three-point attempt rate. Obviously, Liberty is a big part of that. But interesting that we always say, oh, the way to beat Liberty is you have to shoot threes against the pack lines. Like, we're in the conference that shoots the most. And they're actually the 11th of 32 conferences in three-point percentage. Hmm. Liberty's still dominating those people. So, like, clearly they are immune to that stupid cliche narrative that I just spewed. Sorry. There's more more angles you have to take take Liberty uh, from. More, More swords in the barrel, if you will. Peel back uh, later. Last option here for me, fellas, which I am taking as well. Western Kentucky plus six per Ken Palm at Charlotte on Thursday. Now they lost to Charlotte by four in the first game. They have won three straight since then. And Matt, in that first matchup between Charlotte and Western Kentucky, Jamari and Sharp did not play. Obviously a pretty huge factor here. And Rick Stansberry, we tend to like a lot more as a dog. Yeah, it's a team that has a ton of talent and that I think is just engaged when they're playing talent that's of like or better and they've also had a week off they played last thursday that might matter at this point in the season where i think you're starting to feel some weary legs the dog days of conference play have set in so i kind of think they win this game and it's annoying because as a team i was looking to back all year and i lost a lot of money early i gave up on them too late maybe now i stubbornly come back in on the uh the bylo bandwagon jimbo i definitely lean this way with you guys uh wku much much better as a dog as kai said it's just a total stansbury tradition the reason I'm not going to officially lock it in is because, hey, this is another pack line team in Charlotte, a guy off the Tony Bennett coaching tree, and WKU does not have Luke Frampton. Uh, he is out, so I believe, torn ACL. He's done for the year. Best shooter, best perimeter shooter by far on that roster. They're starting to get a little bit more from Dante Allen. He is a fully capable three-point shooter. Step in, I mean, formerly of Kentucky. I think a lot of people probably remember him from there. But with no Frampton Kai, I'm not going to go all the way there and take it. I would definitely bet WKU to cover, though. Love it. A couple more options, guys. On Thursday, possibly here. Jim, you want to cover these two? Yeah, Southeastern Louisiana plus eight at Northwestern State. Northwestern State's kind of a... Matt, I wonder where they rank in, in that consistency rating, if you still have it up. Because they've had some really, really awesome efforts. Had some questionable losses as well. Uh, talented team, basically. We call them Missouri State South because their coach was an assistant there and they brought a few transfers with them. So I'm tempted by Sela. 
And then I'm also going to take Delaware plus seven at Towson. Kai, we, we kind of talked about last night in our group Oops. chat how yeah. Towson is starting to sink a little bit, uh, just not up to the same standard they were last year. And Delaware getting a little bit healthier, got Jair Davis back last game. I think they've got a chance to win on the road at Towson. Matt, did you find uh, find us some data? 315th, Jimbo. So, yes, they are not that consistent. Uh, they are a lot better at home. Kai, I think you mentioned this in Pazlometric. God, what a great site. Create a data guru. 289th in their away from home metrics. So, it's a team that plays better at home, doesn't play as well yeah. on the road. Well, so unfortunately, Northwestern State is at home in that. Is at home here. So, that's why I disavow Jimbo's take here. Sorry. They're also number two overall in the country in ATS record. Northwestern State, 17 and 7. Not a bad ATS team. I do like the Delaware play, though, Jim. Towson. Losing to Drexel and William & Mary back-to-back games. Uh, Drexel was shorthanded. It was on the road both games, but still. Uh, maybe a sign that Towson's just kind of fallen down the well here. I will so also to- mention William & Mary was super shorthanded too, missing like Were two and really? a half starters. Yeah, oh it, it, Towson's really in trouble right now. This is a problem. Yeah, wow, Pat Scary, what are you doing, man? Get it together. All right, fellas, to recap, I'm taking Western Kentucky, St. Joe's, and Northern Iowa from the Live Dog section. Jim, who do you got? Joining you with St. Joseph, St. Joe's, and Delaware. Those are my two official ones. I'm not actually going to lock in southeastern Louisiana. And I'm only taking the tops because we stupidly beat our chest at the undefeated record last weekend. <laughs> so I'm trying to hedge the inevitable pendulum swing right back to the nutsack here. Uh, and Fair the follow up. So. Yes, the old pendulum to the nutsack. Matthew Cox. All right. Next section, Blowout City. Fire! Hey, last week, did pretty well in this section, guys. We called two out of three blowouts correctly. Houston took down Tulsa by 38 points. Oh, my goodness. Just not a good matchup for Tulsa there. UCLA fell short. Uh, They beat the Beavers by 15. I don't think that covered the actual spread. It did push the Ken Palm spread we discussed. Half credit for us there, I guess. And then Arizona, they beat Cal by 23. No problem for the Wildcats. This week, guys, I got one game on Wednesday and one game on Thursday. Matt, on Wednesday, I'm going with Virginia, minus 16 per Kim Pomp at Louisville. It just feels like a classic crockpot city type of game against the Cardinals. We know Louisville's terrible this year, and they can't really shoot, and that's a problem against the pack line. Uh, it's a major problem. I, yeah, at this point, it's like, how low can Louisville go? I mean, they can keep going lower for sure. It's just, I, I like your Thursday one more, Kai, so I'll, I'll hold for my stronger takes until I uh, adore this next one. Jim, are you taking the the who's on the road? Yeah, probably. I think Louisville's really, really bad. And they had their their decent stretch where they got the win over Georgia Tech. And it was like, okay, hey, maybe uh, they're trending up. Since then, not overly competitive. And that's just what Virginia does. Um, they, they just slowly but surely destroy you. And that's a team, if you can't shoot over the top, you're in trouble. And Louisville can't shoot. It's LLS or nobody. And I think they're going to have some real problems with that pack line. Matt, on Thursday, the game you said you liked better Hampton is going to Hofstra. Hofstra is going to be laying 20 per Kim Palm. It might even be higher in the actual market. Matt Hofstra is 8-0 against the spread in their last eight games. Yikes. Do they just keep on rolling here? Uh, yeah, because Hampton just played a Saturday at Charleston. Actually, we're kind of competitive in that game by Hampton standards, and then they almost mounted an unreal comeback against Elon on Monday. So now it's their third game already this week, and they have Drexel looming over the weekend. So sort of a weird spot here where I think they kind of exhausted their energy in those last two games. And I think Hofstra just puts them, puts them to bed real quickly here. And they roll over like, all right, you know what? That was a fun little two game stretch where we played better. Let's get ready for Drexel over the weekend. And they lose by 30. Yeah. It feels like both Hofstra and Charleston are are trending way up. And as 
asserting their dominance before the conference tournament. Last couple of games for Charleston, one by 36-13, 32-17. Hoster, like you said, Kai, has been rolling against the number two. I would I would lean towards the, the pride there. Worth noting, game one, Hofstra led by as many as 19 points. They won by 16 on the road at Hampton. Seems like an okay, okay bet going the other way. Uh, all right. Before we get to our power games of the week, a quick message from our dear sponsor. College basketball season is in full swing, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility agreements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, fellas, power game of the week. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. Let's do it. Two games on Wednesday, one game on Thursday. I'm starting the SEC. One of the best games of the season, I, I would say. It's Alabama at Tennessee. Tennessee minus two per Ken Palm. Might surprise some people out there, given Alabama has a big fat number one next to its name in the AP poll. But, Jim, we don't care about the AP poll. And, frankly, this spot is pretty huge for Tennessee, who's lost three out of four, lost two straight. Who do you like in this game? The line sleuths are going to be all over Tennessee here. <laughs> what the number one team is an underdog against a team that's lost two straight. Uh, that's that's impossible. So a lot of people I think will be betting Tennessee. I like Bama. The one thing that does scare me is the spot for for Tennessee potential buy low. Lost two straight buzzer beaters. Uh, I don't think that takes the wind out of their sails. I think that motivates them. The issue for them is injuries. If Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips are both out, Matt, those are their like jacks of all trade, Swiss Army knife type players. Take both of them out of the lineup against Alabama, who has a billion of them. I think the tide can wear them down with depth. I think they're a worthy number one team. And if you get the shorthanded vols, I'm probably going to lean towards the tide. Yeah, party wants to take Tennessee here, but I think the injuries keeps me away, Jimmy. Right? Like Josiah Jordan James, all I mean, they lost the last game without him against Mizzou. Um, all three of their other SEC losses, he was a non-factor. And I think he was hobbled in the Vanderbilt game and somewhat in the Florida game. I think he's so important. Like he's their one of the best shooters. He's a defensive linebacker and so versatile. He's actually a really good passer too. Like this team doesn't really have a lot of creation. It's kind of the knock on them, right? They they're overly stuck in the mud and how they like overly execute, but he's kind of a guy that can get in the lane and not like a breakdown off the dribble guy. But he's a good passer. I just think he adds a lot to the table that this team badly needs. And you can just look at the splits with and without him. Um, and Phillips, I mean, he's been an absolute freak this year too. Not touching Tennessee with 10 foot pole. Kai, if those guys are out, that's awesome. 
Yeah, definitely a wait and see on the personnel there for me. If, if all healthy, I do lean towards Tennessee in this game. I, I think yeah, it's I'm, just a great spot. I'll mention on the other side, the personnel. Charles Bediaco sustained a minor knee injury, they're saying, and he is day-to-day for Alabama. Mm-hmm. They've got a ton of depth. They'll play a lot more clowny and girly in the paint. I think that's okay. But Bediaco is a is a beast, and it would be an, a, a great option against Mr. Plovsic in the lane. Yes, the rebounding crashing of Tennessee. Uh, next game on Wednesday, TCU at Iowa State. It's a Big 12 matchup. The Clones favored by four per Kimpom at Hilton Arena. The Clones have lost four of five and actually just dropped a game at Hilton to Oklahoma State. A bit surprising. But Matt, TCU also has lost three straight, also four of five. They've been missing Mike Miles, their point guard, quite dearly. There's a lot of tournament seed implications here with both teams kind of wavering, both in the middle five, four seed, six seed conversation. And as a reminder, Iowa State beat TCU at TCU earlier this season, beat them by two as a close game. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, tough to back TCU with with the injuries they're dealing with here. Um, I can't believe they've actually shot worse from three in conference play than they did in non-conference. I think it was kind of like, a, this team can't shoot, but they can't be a 27% three-point shooting team, can they? It's like, oh, well, no, they actually can. That's what they're shooting so far um, on a pretty hardy sample size. But Dixon, good coach, you know, transition, get to the rim. Iowa State's tough to do that, though, against man. Uh, I know even without Ward, they're, they're still pretty formal at the rim, and I would lean their way, Jim. Yeah, the spot with the clones is kind of concerning. I, I, it's hard to imagine them losing two straight at Hilton. It's just such a great atmosphere, gives them a, a big boost. But there's a chance Mike Miles returns here. He apparently looked really good in practice today, Tuesday, as we record this, and has been practicing a little bit. Uh, I think they're just trying to make sure he is fully healthy before they bring him back. They know they're going to make the tournament. They're going to have like somewhere between a four and a six seed, probably not worth rushing him back. But if he's good to go here, that's huge against the ball pressure of Iowa State, trying to force a bunch of turnovers while you bring back your best point guard. That's very significant. So, Kai, if Miles is in, I might lean TCU, although there could be some rust for him and trying to get confidence back in that knee after the hyperextension. Yeah, definitely. You never know if he's going to be fully 100% right out of the, right out of the gate, if he's going to play full full time. Yeah, this is a tough spread if it's four. Um, you know, TCU's been scrappy without him, but gosh, Hard to believe Iowa State dropping two straight at Hilton. I probably lean towards the clones. Gun to the head. Thursday, a Big Ten matchup. Purdue on the road at Maryland. Purdue minus one, a road favorite here, Jim. Now, Maryland, the Terps, they've they've won five of six. They're 10 and four against the spread at home this year. And Purdue's lost two of three. Both games were on the road, clearly not as formidable as they are at Mackey Arena. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, the first meeting, Maryland kind of gave him hell at Mackey Arena, too. Uh, Three-point final, uh, really, really low scoring, 58-55. to Edie had a big game, what do you know? But Maryland did a nice job of negating pretty much everybody else, and that's what you have to do against Purdue. That's what Northwestern did. Second half against Northwestern, I believe Purdue was like 2 of 13 from 3 and had 12 turnovers, like just really, really bad. Matt, we talked early in the season, like, these are still freshman guards playing road games in Big Ten environments. And while we like Smith and Lawyer, they were poor against Northwestern. And if this is going to be as hostile as any environment in the Big Ten, Maryland's been great there. I think I, I'm probably leaning towards Purdue, but I am spooked by the potential for a big, big Maryland effort and someone to sit this one out. Yeah, I mean, all Maryland's done is one and cover at home. Uh, they're sort of the beacon of this dominant home 
ATS streak that all the Big Ten teams are on. Just beat Penn State. They squeaked out a cover against Penn State. It wasn't exactly a dominating performance, but Indiana before that by 11, Nebraska by 19, Wisconsin by 18, Michigan by 16, Ohio State by 7. Back Ohio State wasn't a complete dumpster. So, I mean, yeah, fade the Terps at home at your own risk. I do fear for uh, Purdue because while they can dominate the lane, there is that kind of um, chess match with the space and versatility that Maryland offers on the other end. And I think we're starting to see the vulnerability and mortalness, if that's a word, of Purdue's guards, Kai. I just think that, yeah, while I like the freshman Smith and Laura, they've been really solid. They were never that heralded as like dominant, you know, stars right away. They've just been kind of uplifted by Edie's gravitational pull inside. And we're starting to see maybe some cracks emerge. That's my worry. Oh, I love Smith and Lawyer. I think they're awesome. Uh, Certainly prone to some mistakes as most freshmen are, but for the most part, they've been awesome this season Uh, beyond their years. I I would say on the court, I I think Edie, Edie's going to smash Maryland inside. He did the first game. 24 and 16. <laughs> I mean, he's been doing that against everybody, and it was a close game. That first game, the shooting was disgusting. Maryland three for 21 from three, Purdue two for 13. Hopefully, we get a bit more pleasing aesthetic game in this one. I lean towards, towards Purdue, despite Maryland at home. I, I think they're a lot better team. Uh, I think they get off the schneid here. Mid-major games of the week. Well, we talked Gonzaga, LMU a little bit. We talked Liberty, Kennesaw a little bit. Let's talk about three other games really quick here. On Wednesday, in the Big West, UC Irvine goes to UC Santa Barbara. The Babs, the Gauchos, favored by three for Kempom. Matt, both these teams are top 100 right now in Kempom. They're the class of the Big West every single season. Santa Barbara won game one by eight points at UCI. What do you think about this? Uh, I'm just looking at the return of Kai. Say his name for us, please, in your loving German German accent. Bent Leuchten. He's been back for two games, played only 18 and 12 minutes respectively, but 10 points in 12 minutes, uh, nine points in 18 minutes. He matters quite a bit. Um, I know they squeaked by Cal Pally, but I think they looked like the dominant team to follow up in his second game back. I think he's the key in this one. Um, I like the anteaters. And we always said that there's a rule that we told ourselves. I know you've abandoned this rule, but I stick to it. When UC Irvine plays UC Santa Barbara, I always take Irvine. There was that one year last season where there was an exception to that rule but I generally trust Russell Turner more than I trust Joe Pasternak. So there it is. The exception is carried into this year, though. UC Santa Barbara won yeah, by eight know. at Irvine on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Lichten did not play in that game, and neither did Matt, your boy, Josh Pierre-Louis, mm-hmm. for Santa Barbara. So two key guys missing from that one. This is a blue out in Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're advertising there's going to be a thousand blue shirts for students. Like th- They are playing up the nature of this game as they should. It's basically for the title. Santa Barbara wins. They'll really be the prohibitive favorite two games up on Irvine with a sweep over them looking like uh, the class of that conference. That does make me a little concerned. I don't know if they're good enough to run away with this league, but Kai dueling the Gauchos should be a half court game, which suits them because they don't have a lot of depth UCSB, but their starting five is the best in the league. And as long as you don't get a super hot shooting game from Irvine, which Mm -hmm. they have been prone to do this year. uh, I like the Gauchos. I like the Gauchos as well. And the wise words of Tobias Funke, I blew myself. I'm afraid I just blew myself. <laughs> There's got to be a better way to say that. I blew myself. I blew out blew yourself in Barbara. Next game, SoCon, UNC Greensboro at Samford. Samford, minus one here. Both teams are tied right now in first place with Furman at 12-2 and two atop the SoCon gem. Maybe a little bit surprising, especially Samford. And Greensboro's been excellent as of late. Do you have a preference in this game? 
I think Eileen Greensboro. Uh, I know they're on the road, but Samford hasn't been the same kind of team I expected them to be. I thought they'd be up and down, use their depth, play through Quez Glover now that he's back, big-time transfer, formerly of Florida. He was a prolific scorer last year. Then they added Parham from Georgia Tech. It's like, okay, yeah, this team is just going to be lethal offensively. And while they are, they're not playing that fast um, defensively. They've slowed things down a bit, mixed in some zones because I don't think they're very good on the ball with Parham and Glover, two really small guards. And Greensboro's defense is so, so good in the half court. So, Matt, if this game is actually a little bit slower, it really, really favors Greensboro and their physicality. Uh, the Langleys have both been playing well in the backcourt. So I, I think I like the Spartans on the road. Uh, I don't like Faye and Stanford at home, one of the better home court environments in the country, but their home dominance hasn't really been all that jaw-dropping. I mean, they squeaked by Citadel by six. They beat East Tennessee State, who is, ah, I don't know, I guess that was an okay win by 11. So I guess I shouldn't be as afraid to back UNC Greensboro on the road, and I do think that physicality will travel well against Stanford, who has been playing a bigger, more physical lineup. Jim, you mentioned not playing that fast, not all guard and uh, parham, uh, and clever oriented. They actually have some legit size. So yeah, I think Greensboro matches up with them. I think they actually seal this one on the road. Kai in this, uh, this race in the SoCon gets a little more dicey by the day. Although I think Furman's still the top dog in this league. Yeah. Greensboro's defense has been the, the best in the SoCon. Number one in turnover rate, number one in effective field goal percentage, number one in three point and two point percentage, number one in steal rate and number one in the best stat of all free throw percentage defense. Yep. That's right. They're really good at making teams miss from the free throw line. Important. I like the Spartans as well. Often overlooked part of the game. Um, I'm skipping ahead real quick to Friday because I do want to talk about this Ivy matchup, which is uh, very important for the Ivy tournament because the Ivy tournament allows only four teams to play. Both te- these teams safely in there right now. Penn is uh, is Yale at Penn. Yale minus two on the road at Penn, Jim. Penn is only one game back of first place right now. Yale is tied in first with Princeton. Penn has won five straight. They're finally playing up to expectations. I think a lot of us thought they'd win this league this season, but Yale did win game one by seven at home. Uh, what do you see in this game? Yeah, Kai, I have a pen to win the Ivy future that I had buried. Yeah. thought it was dead and gone a couple of weeks ago, but now they've battled back within the game, but the margins are so thin in this league that they're also only a game up in staying in the Ivy sure. playoff. Uh, six teams clustered between seven and three and five and five in this league. And you need to get in that top four to make the postseason event. This is an interesting matchup, Matt. I feel like Yale can bully inside. Their big guys are really, really good. The Jarvis, Noling group, there's shot blockers, there's physicality, a bunch of lefties. It's almost like harder to match up with because they're so um, disorienting with that. But Penn has the best player on the floor. Dingle is fantastic, 20-point-a-game scorer. And I actually kind of like their complementary weapons as well. George Smith's pretty solid. Jonah Charles, a nice shooter. They're healthier than they've been in the past. So I'm going to lean towards Penn, but I don't feel confident about it, and I will not be betting it. Yeah, there's definitely something to the fact that Jordan Dingle's been playing his best ball late when they've had a couple of lulls in the schedule where he's had time to rest. They had a week off between Cornell and Harvard last game, and Dingle went bananas against Harvard. Uh, I think you're trying to catch Penn on the first game of the back-to-back spots. That's my stupid, sneaky Penn angle because they have so many injuries. Now getting healthier, I think that helps him here. Again, that kind of maybe potential revenge angle after they lost at Yale, and obviously with the motivation you guys talked about, I do like Penn, the red and blue, baby. Yep, lean and Penn as well here, folks. Yeah, go red and blue. Go red and blue. All right, on to the Trash Man Pick of the Week, guys. I think I found a pretty good one here. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. 
totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. It's in the Big West. We go back to the Big West. Cal State Bakersfield at Cal Poly. Cal Poly minus two per Kimpum. Offensive average possession length. How fast teams play on the offensive end. Bakersfield is 359th in the country, a.k.a. the fifth slowest team in the land. Fourth slowest team, excuse me. Cal Poly, 328th in that same stat. They also play slow. Offensively, in terms of efficiency, Bakersfield, 322nd. Cal Poly, 349th. It's two slow teams. It's two bad offenses, Matt. The projected total is 118. This qualifies as a trash man pick of the week. Who you got? Or does it? Look at Cal State Bakerfield's last two games. They exploded for 1.18 points possession yeah. against Cal State Northridge two games ago, and then they put up 69. Ooh. Nice. And a loss to Long Beach State. No, in all seriousness, this should be gross. I don't really understand how Cal State Bakerfield scored in those games. I've watched them play a couple times this year. It's the most um, – it sets bas- basketball back decades. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not watching this game. I kind of think Bakerfield actually wins this one. So. I will be betting the under, Kai. I think this is a great under game. Both teams, like you said, slower offensively than they are defensively, and you can control that more and way better defensively than they are offensively. I think that all kind of manifests into a gross under, inefficient and slow game. Perfect for a trash man pick of the week. Game one played 61 possessions and had 112 points. So I would say you're on the right track there, Jim, with the under. Beautiful. Love it. Love to hear that. All right, guys, spotlight section. We're going to talk about the two blue bloods that are struggling because everyone is talking about this in the in the public media space. So we should get our own our own takes in here, our own cracks at it. I'm calling it the bubble bloods. What are the what's the approach going forward for these two teams from a betting perspective? You have North Carolina and Kentucky. Both teams right now are 11 seeds per bracket matrix. Kentucky is the last team in. UNC is the fourth to last team in now fielding the 68, uh, a team of very good bracketologists has Kentucky out of the field currently and UNC playing in Dayton. So these two teams are very much in danger of missing the dance could be almost inconceivable. Both teams are really poor this season against the spread. Uh, UNC only 12 teams are worse against, against the number this year. They're eight and 16, one and five against the spread. Their last six. Kentucky 10 and 15 against the spread. They had a nice run of covers, but just two and three last five, and they're hurt. CJ Fredericks, Seville Wheeler, both kind of uh, dealing with injuries. Jim, both teams have quite a bit of opportunities remaining in terms of Q1, Q2 games. Kentucky a lot more in the SEC. What is your approach going forward with them from a betting perspective? Keep fading, bet on. What do you think? Mostly fade. How the hell are they going to win a Q1 game? These two combined are 1-16 in 16 against Amazing. Q1 competition. Wow. UNC 0-9, Kentucky 1-7. For what they brought back from, you know, Kentucky was a two seed last year, brought back the player of the year, and UNC brought back <laughs> the four player starters. Of the player of the year. And, and they might not make the field. UNC brings back four starters from a, a national finalist and might not make the field. It's wild. Wow. I'm especially circling the road spots for UNC to fade them. They're one in six against the spread on the road. They are joyless watching them play basketball. Yes. They had a little bit of fun against Clemson. You could see like a little bit of spirit to them, but they don't seem to love each other. Baycott looks just so upset that he returned to school this year. He loves UNC, but like he's playing with these guys that just jack terrible threes, mm-hmm. not getting touches unless he chases down an offensive rebound. It just feels like they they've they, they had a players only meeting or something before Clemson figured something out and then it just immediately died turned around on a on a Monday and couldn't play against Miami. 
So yeah, Matt, I'm I'm looking more to fade uh, UNC, especially that at NC State game. I, I don't think they compete on the road. They're just a terrible road team. Yeah, I think I'm more in like put pedal to metal on fade UNC, where I'm like kind of easing into the gas pedal on fading Kentucky. Um, I wish as a better, I had Caleb Love's short-term memory um, and just uninhibited <laughs> confidence where, you know, you missed seven in a row and you're coming down and firing the next shot, the next open look you get. I, I wish I had that. Unfortunately, how much, UNC, how, it's... How much blame do we place on Hubert for allowing a him lot. to do that? A lot of blame. He's not a good coach. Yeah. I agree with yeah. Kai. I think, uh, I think he's... I don't say he's a outright bad coach. I don't think he's a great coach, though. So, yeah. I, when I think Baycott just, doesn't touch the ball for right, a, I know. multiple possessions in a row in crunch time, that's a problem, in my opinion. I, a coach I, problem. I, my theory is that he's just trying to really be the Caleb's my guy and go to bat for his guy and have his players back and let him play how he is wired to play. But that's just at the expense of your team's actual best player, which is mm-hmm. Armando Baycott. So, yes. um, yeah, I'm looking to fade. I mean, don't we all agree this is going to ha- find out? Or is this will wind up in a both teams are in Dayton because that just makes the most sense for the ratings and money perspective. And it would be good for the tournament if both teams made. Yeah, I hate that I admit it, but yeah, I agree. I want to see both teams. Actually. I would love, love to play each other. Play each other. Yeah. Moment, yeah, right. Let them play each that. other. Exactly. And then one of them teams makes the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. And there's a whole narrative on that as well. But only only if my Owls and only if my Cougars are in the field. So yes, I don't want them to take those spots. So that's my Kai, it would be a, a Q1 game for both of them if they played a yeah. neutral site against each other. They're both in the top 50 of the net. True. I don't know what would happen there. That's like, a, <laughs> how, how does a stoppable force versus a movable object work out? It's a good question. Maybe they both just just quit. They, uh, they forfeit the game. Uh, <laughs> so going forward, UNC, three total Q1 slash Q2 games remaining. Kentucky has five of them. Jim, real quick, do they make the field? Yes or no? Both teams. I don't think UNC does. I think Kentucky finds a way in. Uh, the fact that they won at Tennessee is enough of a, it's capable, where I think they can win down the stretch a little bit, some of these games, and manage their way in. I just haven't seen it from UNC. Like, mm-hmm. 0-9 versus Q1 competition, I think you've got to get one, and that would require being Virginia at home, and I'm not sure they can do that. Or, like I said, that at NC State game. At NC State, yep. I don't think UNC is going to get there. Kentucky with those five chances, maybe you get Wheeler and, and Frederick healthy and you, you steal two of those. And I think that'd be enough for a big blue nation, but Matt, your, your dookie rivals may be on the outside looking in. And that makes me very happy. I feel like they're going to land at NC state. Like this is the one where it's like, come on, NC state, they just, will too. this is it. Just finish it, seal the deal, put the nail in the coffin. And that's the game where Caleb love has the Clemson esque, out of body, seven of eleven from three. Davis is like four of ten from three. Baycock gets twenty and twelve, and they find a way to win, and they squeak in. And there we see him in Dayton. Well said. All right, fellas, that does it for our our BBOC podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Bet MGM. We will see you next week, same day, same time. Good luck with your wagers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.